Hey everyone, it's that time again for another episode of Dirt Road Discussions, where we're all about agriculture all the time. I am your host, Cam Hammond. Once again, we have Ott Clark, our co-host of Dirt Road Discussions with us. Ott, uh, uh, we love tractors here on Dirt Road Discussions, don't we? Uh, I think that the the tractor is the unsung hero of the, the world of agriculture and uh, the world as we know it would look a lot different if we didn't have our, our helpful tractor friends. Absolutely. That's not throwing any shade towards any horses and plows or anything, right? But tractors help the American farmer get the job done. That's, that's 100% correct. Cameron, I think the horse was probably the happiest uh, of individuals when the tractor <laughs> showed up. Uh, I, think, I think you're spot on there. On an earlier podcast, uh, we we talked about uh, some tractors. We talked with John Deere, and we learned a little bit more about autonomous tractors. Do you remember that that episode? I do. I do. I think we're going to go back in time, though, correct? Yeah, that is correct. And I, I think it wouldn't be right, Odd, uh, if we didn't pay homage to the original tractors, the, the OG tractors, as the kids say these days, right? That sound... Correct. We're so hip. So yeah, very hip. So hip. <laughs> that's right. The OG tractor. So that's why I'm excited about today's show is we're going to talk a little bit more about tractors from the past. And so if if things get a little too crazy ought and you're just overloaded with amazing facts and, and history and just overall awesomeness, just just don't worry. We have just so you know, we have a doctor on the call with us today. <laughs> he can help out if needs be. Sound like a plan? I'm all for it. Let's get started. Let's do it. Uh, to our listeners, thanks again for tuning in to Dirt Road Discussions. We invite you to, to follow us wherever you get your podcasts and be sure to give us a review and just appreciate your, your support. So uh, with that, I have a question to get started. So we, of course, have many different types of doctors, specifically those in the medical field. But have you ever wondered about doctors in agriculture? And no, I'm not just talking about veterinarians, but I'm talking about doctors for farm equipment, specifically tractors. Well, today we're going to talk to an actual tractor doctor and learn more about what he does and about history of, of some of the equipment that he works with. So enough of that chit chat, Ott, we'll get to work. So go ahead, grab your protractor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm rolling. I'm rolling. I was, I was waiting for your pun. It finally, <laughs> finally landed. There it was. And with the with the doctor's help out, we'll see if we can make any of these crop circles make sense. So let's let's do it. So we are thrilled again to be joined by Rob Bearden, the one and only tractor doctor. So uh, Rob works for Jack's Urban Meeting Meeting Place, otherwise known as the Jump Center in downtown Boise, Idaho. Uh, Rob is the caretaker for over, I think it was 120 antique tractors of the Jump Center. And we were excited to have him on the podcast today. Rob, thanks for joining us. How are you? Hey, pretty good so far. <laughs> it is. It is. We, mid, mid morning, I guess now. Yeah. No, we, we appreciate you joining us and hanging with us during that uh, long intro there. Um, I know Ott was just kind of rambling on, but anyway. Um, Rob, would you mind just starting off the podcast by telling someone about yourself and, and about your background? Well, I'm Rob Bearden. I'm the curator, tractor doctor, guy that takes care of the tractors. Here at Jump Center, we've got about 110 tractors and then another 
20 or 30 pieces of equipment, plows and graders and rakes and shovels and just about everything you can imagine, stationary engines, uh, trucks, freshers, just corn shellers, everything you can imagine on the farm. We probably have it here. Well, Rob, I'm going to get us started here. You're the the head tractor doctor. Um, yeah, the guy here. How did... How did you get your fascination with tractors and, and when did you start? Have you always just known that you were going to become the, the tractor doctor? No, no. You know, it, it started with uh, Lincoln logs and an erector set. And then uh, when my dad let me take the lawnmower over to the neighbor's yard, I had coin in my pocket and just been messing around with this stuff forever. I had my own business for about 30 years. I've, uh, I have an airframe and power plant license and license for victory motorcycles. I'm a mechanic. I just work on stuff and about seven years ago, this deal came up and uh, they made me an offer I couldn't refuse. And here I am. I kind of like it. Oh, that's that's awesome. So seven years with the Jump Center. Man, so so there at the Jump Center, Rob, uh, I think you said there's, what, 120 antique tractors. Um, and to our listeners, if you haven't been to the Jump Center there in Boise, Idaho, I definitely recommend you check it out. Sounds like in your position with all the different types of, of equipment, you have to be a jack of all trades and you have to really just kind of piece things together it sounds like and, and and solve problems so could you just walk us through more about the range of tractors that you you work on specifically and, and what a typical day looks like in your job well you know the, the internal combustion chamber has been or the internal combustion engine has been the same since 1880 nothing changes in it they all have pistons they all have valves they all have an ignition system they all have a fuel system so it's really just kind of see putting all that that same information together, and it's laid out a little differently in different tractors, but it's pretty much all the same. Uh, you know, you you've got to have compression, you've got to have ignition, and you have to have fuel. And once you have those three, you've pretty much got a running tractor. You're good, yeah. But um, you know, like like I say, what a typical day is, you know, I usually just uh, start out. I try to keep them all presentable. I try to go through and see which ones are turning. I loop them occasionally. Uh, when I first started, that was the first thing I did. I went through and grabbed the cranks for everything and just went through and see, saw what we had and what it was and what turned over and what didn't turn over. And then just kind of made a list of, about that. And then, then I've started uh, freshening them up cosmetically. You know, we've got the Simplot World headquarters here that has a, has a, have a couple of tractors in front of their place that I've repainted. And uh, we've got a little restaurant down here that has one of the tractors in front of it and I repainted it. And oh, there's a couple of them out on the street that I've redone. And, you know, it usually takes about three or four months to do one by the time you get done scraping everything down and wire wheeling it and wiping it all off and then painting it. Rob, you, you piqued my interest. Yeah. Can you Can you describe kind of the grit that our, you know, our forefathers had when they had to do that, but they did it in a, in an old woodshed rather than yeah, a, they, a place it, with a forklift. Right. At a barn. Right. Yeah. But you know, you got to remember all that stuff was brand new. So if it really broke to where it wasn't, you know, it wasn't serviceable anymore, uh, you'd find them behind the barn and you got a new tractor. I mean, how many times have you driven up to a farm and seen all the broke down tractors behind the yeah. barn? They run them until they don't and get something else. And usually these, the ones that uh, been left, uh, the families had, you know, back up here in the west of the rest of the Rockies, we really don't have 
the, the tractor scene that they do on the other side, you know, all that giant planting and stuff has been going on. Gosh, when they were, you know, in 1920, I don't even think there's anybody living here in the <laughs> West, really. <laughs> you know, but the, they've been farming for you know, forever. Right. Yeah. Just like I mentioned, just the the grit and the just just toughness of, of those individuals to, oh, to yeah. do what they did is just remarkable to think about. And thinking about this tractor collection and our, our listeners are, are probably wondering, well, where, where did these tractors, how did they all get to the, the jump center? Could you just tell us more about the history of, of the, of the tractors who they belong to and, and how they found their way to the jump center? Right. Well, originally all these tractors came out of the Oscar cook collection. Oscar cook had the, probably the largest collection of different tractors on the planet. He had 400 tractors and over 2000 pieces. Um, he passed away. They had a big auction and uh, J.R. Simplot, he wanted to build a tractor museum, kind of like a, a live museum, kind of like out there in Dearborn Village. Uh, what's that? Ford's, Ford's big uh, museum up there. Uh, he wanted to have it live with people running equipment and farming and planting and doing all this kind of stuff. And well, he just never lasted long enough to see the dream come true. And the family, which is the foundation, they decided, well, you know what, we'll do something with the tractors to kind of honor the farmer and, you know, kind of stick with Jack's dream. So they ended up with the, with the jump center. All right, Rob, I'm, I'm picturing this in my head. If I were to bring you, uh, you know, 1915 tractor, uh, and drop it off in at your garage or, or wherever you fix them, what's your, your first steps? What do you, how do you go through this to get it from, not working all the way to, you know, showcasing it at the, the jump right. center. Well, you know, it, it really depends on what kind of shape it is. You know, if all the parts are there, you know, you're, you're three quarters of the way done. And if, if you have all the parts, you can usually make them work. Um, you just, you just go through everything. A lot of these tractors have little parts and pieces that hang off the sides of them that operate different things you know like the governors and the, all that stuff if it's been sitting for a long time you really want to make sure it's all lubed and freed up before you start turning anything <laughs> so you know you want to make sure all that stuff's free because sometimes when you grab that flywheel and even if it does spin and you've got a, a froze up uh, mag rod or something you know that's that's supposed to move when you turn the engine and it doesn't you'll end up breaking it and then just causing yourself more trouble no. But you, you really have to kind of just pay attention to what, you know, what you're doing and patience. You know, you got to have a lot of patience with this stuff. That's for sure. <laughs> and uh, like uh, one, one of our big tractors, uh, we have a big uh, 1917 Reeves here and I was rebuilding it and uh, the float was gone. The nut that hold the float bowl on was gone. You have to know a good machinist or you have to be one. And uh, some of that stuff can be a little tricky. Uh, they didn't have a standardized bolt threads back in the day. There was no society of automotive engineers there, you know. So. But a lot of stuff you have to make. And once you once you get it all running, it, it's quite rewarding. I enjoy it. But, you oh. know, like I, like I say, you just got to go through it piece by piece. You know, yeah, sometimes it'll be real easy and sometimes they won't. I've got a follow-up to that, Cameron. So is it... Is it you? Is there 20 guys that help you out? You talk oh, about having a, a good machinist. Yeah, I, I, I have, I, have uh, I know people all around town that uh, 
that helped me that welders and uh, you know, a lot of this stuff, it's, it's not like you just uh, grab your wire feet and weld the stuff back together. Some of it is, uh, you know, some of the casts stuff is a little bit more difficult to take care of. Um, if everything that I can do, I do, but if I need to have a, 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 a gland nut made with threads and everything, you know, you, you can't, you can't cut those threads unless you have a machine that will actually do it. I, I don't have those here, but I do have machine shop guys that take care of all that stuff. No, you, you mentioned that you found all the parts, right? That's, that's more than half the battle, but I would imagine finding like if you don't have the parts, finding parts for some of these tractors would be pretty, pretty dang difficult. Is that right? Yeah. Yes. And no, there's, there's some guys out there that hold a, a bunch of parts and pieces. You know, they always have stuff coming in. Uh, there's a place out in uh, Minnesota beavers, uh, vintage tractor supply. They have just, I've never seen so many mags and oilers. I just found this place here recently and it's just a wealth of parts and, you know, the guys, the family's been doing it forever. They've seen just about everything that could possibly come through. And I, I think that's going to be a good source of pieces. And th- there's guys out there that have parts. You, know, you just have to kind of search them out. Mm-hmm. And then you can make them. You know, like I, I have, I've had to make a lot of floats. And I've had to redo some um, magneto contacts and you know, distributor contacts. And, mm-hmm. You know, I can make contacts out of old feeler gauges and you know, some of the carburetors are missing a ball or a spring or something in them. And a ballpoint pen spring works real nice. And I've got lots of old carburetor kits of ball bearings and stuff in them that seems to work pretty well. And you just, you get a collection of the stuff and you know what to look for. It's, it goes pretty quick. Robbie, have you ever had to give up on one and say, you not know, yet. right now is not the time for you? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I'm really not the kind of give up guy. So I, I don't like to take no for an answer, you know, so I may give it a few times, but yeah, no, I don't want to, I don't want to have to give up. You typically find a way, right? Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. It, you know, and it's just metal. There's no reason why you can't make it work given enough time and money. So, so I'm kind of curious, Rob, there at the jump center when you have all the people come and, and visit those with varying degrees of uh, experience with agriculture. What's it like as you observe these people come to the jump center, uh, check out the tractors. I'm sure it's rewarding for you, but what's that experience like just, just watching them interact with, with the things that you work on every day. Every day is a school day here. There's always somebody to learn something from all you have to do is pay attention. And I, I get along really well with everybody that comes through here. They all have, you know, they all have a story. They've all seen a tractor before. You know, it's, they, they come here because they want to see this stuff. And you know, it's, it's really kind of overwhelming when you, when you show up, we have so many different, we, I don't think we have two of the same one. And, you know, out, out of all those tractors, we don't have two of the same ones. We might have five or six of one brand, but it's not the same model. And, yeah, you know, like like I say, when the when the people show up here, they want to see some tractors. Every Wednesday, I give a tour at noon, and uh, we go through them. Sometimes it takes all day. Sometimes I go real fast through them, and we go up and look at the other one. Hmm. So we have we have fifty one here on site, and then another sixty off site. Rob, this uh, Jack's Urban Meeting Place, um, right as you come in from the freeway, uh, yep. it's it's the first thing you see, and I think it's really changed the 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 view of Boise at least every time I drive in 
Um, those tractors let me know that I'm still in, you know, an agricultural this state. Is, Boise has yeah. really changed. It's a, it's a city now. It used to be, uh, you know, just a, an urban area, but now it's, it's skyscrapers and these tractors really change the way I think about Boise for sure. And you're right. You, you come down the connector. The first thing you see is that big yellow Avery right above the jump sign. And then, uh, and then you look down and you'll see the, the little, um, the jumbo downstairs that that's the oldest tractor we have that's one of the first ones you'll see but yeah and then they're scattered all over the place you don't even have to get out of your car to see them our big 2550 avery sits up on that little stand out there alongside the building but once you once you get up in here and start looking at the stuff well you just really don't realize it and we have the whole we have the whole evolution of tractors here and like i say 1890s to 1939 it covers everything. We've got odd tractors. We've got teen tractors. We've got twenties and thirties and it covers just about everything here. And so you mentioned jumbo is the, one of the oldest tractors. What year was yeah, that? That's the Harrison jumbo. We're thinking it's between 1890. It's kind of hard to tell, you know, what the years are on them. You know, all the serial numbers are on one part. And if that part gets changed out, you know, you kind of lose what what it is. And then, you know, some of them are in really good shape and people have paid attention to them forever and they know what they are. And some of them have just been kind of, you know, you know used until they quit. And then people have forgotten about them. And, you know, the guy who bought that jumbo, he's, he's gone long gone. So nobody <laughs> knows really what, what's what with it. Sometimes you can uh, you can get on the registries. There's all kinds of different registries where they keep track of all the different tractors. And a lot of times I'll just sit down and plug tractors into the registry. So everybody knows where they are, what they are. You know, if if one guy has a serial number of a tractor and he knows what year it is, and another guy has a serial number of a tractor and he knows what year it is, and you have a serial number that's, you know, between those two serial numbers, you can kind of figure out what year your tractor is but there's just all kinds of ways of researching and discovering what you the search of this stuff is really kind of interesting the, you, the more you look at them you know when i first started here she says oh you're gonna have to research them I said man i don't think they have any of this stuff at the library oh no we'll get you a computer right so <laughs> i've got the biggest computer here and it won't take any more information so <laughs> oh, kind of have to be a sleuth and piece it all together Oh yeah, you do. You just have to. Some of that's just really rewarding when you find out, you know, what it is or, you know, even what color it was. <clears throat> Rob, speaking of color, what would be your, your white whale? The, the one that you wish you could rebuild if it ever showed up, it'd just make you happy as can be. Oh man. Yes. You know, there's, there's so, there's so many of them. There, there just really is. And I have, you know, I have four or five tractors on my own. I've, got a dozen or so cars and half a dozen motorcycles but as far as a, a tractor that i'd i'd really like to have oh there's some really beauties here um, our olmstead i'd like to see our olmstead running that's a 1910 four-wheel drive fully sprung articulating and oscillating in 1910 and it's the only one um, our little Avery track runner, that's one of two, you know, 1925 Avery track runner, beautiful little track. Um, we've got a, a, a type A international. We're thinking it's like a 99, 10, uh, international started making tractors. 
1906, I believe. So this is a real early international. That would be kind of neat to see running. Um, any of the big prairie tractors, you know, the Reeves, the big Avery's. We've got a 4080 Avery here that turns over just like brand new. It's a really a neat tractor. Yeah, where do you start? You know, just pick one. I, I, I would, I wouldn't know which one to pick. You know, I always, everybody says, "Oh, what's your favorite tractor?" And then I always ask them, you know, what? Who's your favorite kid? You, just, you can't have a favorite. They're all so different. They're all so unique. You know that it's just one right after another one. There's there's some really neat tracks. And I can't help myself here, Rob, but just when we were visiting pre podcast. I noticed you have an absolutely fantastic beard and your last name's Bearden. So is that a coincidence or is that a coordinated thing? I just uh, no, know. I, I've, I've never shaved. <laughs> <laughs> I shaved one time when I was, um, I worked uh, at uh, Rockwell International, the shuttle project for a while. And I was assembling the thrusters and fuel panels and stuff in a hundred thousand level clean room. So it was either wear a full face hood or shaved so I, I went i went i went uh hairless there for, for about 18 months almost <laughs> a couple of years but yeah no it's just uh just the way i am i uh, guess that's awesome that's awesome. i assume the the cleaning protocol is slightly more laxed when you oh, fix yeah. the antique oh, tractors geez. than yeah, rocket no, thrusters yeah yeah I, i've started wearing these uh a lot of times well the gas engines man they're the worst because they just leak all over the place. I mean, Annie, the way the thing shakes and all the pipe connections, it like shakes itself apart just running it. You've constantly got to be on it. So when you're cleaning one of those big gas engine prairie tractors, oh man, just plan on getting dirty. I've been I've been wearing these little disposable uh, painting uh, overalls, and I tell you what, those have been just lifesavers. Yeah. The, uh, man, it saves you a lot of your washing machine, your dryers, and everything else. So <laughs> the steamers are pretty clean. Yeah, you don't get a whole lot of grunge from the steamers. Mm. Rob, on the Dirt Road Discussions podcast, we like to look down the road. Uh, so my question to you is: What is the the future of the jump center and keeping all these antique tractors out where people can see them? Yeah, that's that's really the that's really the big kicker. Yeah, you know, I, I'd like to get them. I'd like to get a little few more of them running. I'd, I'd really like to be able to show them off a lot more and, you know, just clean them all up a lot and get them running. And they're, they're going to be here forever. You know, these things aren't ever leaving. Uh, you know, the, the way the whole thing's set up, they're, they're part of their, they're part of the landscape here at Jump. Uh, the other 60 out at the arena, uh, there's been talk about maybe having a show or something out there further on down the line, but it's going to take some, it's going to take some doing to get it going. But yeah, I'd, I'd like to see more of them actually run and move around. Uh, it's kind of hard here because they're, you know, a lot of these track, well, kerosene anyways, 23,000 pounds and has steel wheels. You can't really, you know, drive it on the street or roll it on the sidewalk, you know? So, but some of these big tractors we have, out at the arena, we have dirt roads out there. So, you know, you can drive them on the dirt and not really hurt anything. <laughs> so it, it's just, it, it's just interesting to see what's going to happen. You know, a lot of these big tractors, you can take the cleats off of them and put rubber on them and you can roll them around in the parade or whatever. And I'd like to see a couple of parade tractors, you know, that we could uh, play around with uh, during the jump season. And, you know, I have a couple of uh, lighter 
tractors that I could take the cleats off and we could actually run those through the park without damaging anything. It, they're, they're constantly thinking here. They, they change stuff around all the time. The tractors are probably the only things that kind of stay the same. I couldn't imagine doing this stuff with horses. You know, each horse takes four acres of product a year just to stay alive. Now, you if you were running a team of 10 horses in a big wheat field, man, you'd have to get those things. You're growing 40 acres of product just to keep your horses alive. And <laughs> Cuts then into your, them, yeah, your margins. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and then hooking them up in the morning and giving them a break in the afternoon and wiping them down and feeding them and watering them and. Oh man, it had to have been hard. Them, them guys, boy, those early farmers, boy, you, you've got to take your hat off to them. Well, Rob, with that, we'll uh, we'll go ahead and wrap up another episode of Dirt Road Discussions. We definitely appreciate your time and appreciate all you do there at the Jump Center. And yeah, I think Ott and I might have to swing by on a Wednesday at noon and and sure. uh, come have okay. a tour. So we'd love that. And I, I'm here Monday through uh, Thursday from about six to four. So perfect. Well, yeah, let's let's. Anytime I'm here. So let's plan on it. Sure. That sounds awesome. Thank you, Rob. Hey, you bet. Thanks for, uh, thanks for getting me on. Yeah. Thank you. And, and with that, uh, we'll wrap up another episode of dirt road discussions and we'll see you down the road. Mm-hmm.